Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. We thank you guys for coming out despite the weather. Y'all are definitely solid and hungry. Amen? I think God is going to bless our hunger tonight, braving the weather. So we're going to, um, we are going to um, have full service tonight, but we're going to end a little earlier than normal. Um, the latest updates, we're supposed to get about six inches and uh, an inch or two every hour. So we'll end early tonight, make sure everybody gets home safely. Does that sound okay? Awesome. But, um, you know, this weather, I was asked earlier today if I like the Ohio winters. And, you know, it's so funny watching everybody's faces because, you know, the response they want me to give is how horrible it is. And, um, but, you know, I've learned to live with my cup half full as I walk with Christ. And um, I love it. And, and I'm finding that it ministers life to me. You know, I'm a, I'm, I love outdoors, I love nature, I love running. And when I go run, I get ministered to. I don't run just because I want to, you know, be in shape or whatever or race somebody. I run because I get ministered to. Christ meets me on that, on that trail. And as I run outside, I find he meets me there. But the awesome thing is as I wake up and I look outside at these winners, I see Christ. You know, just as I stepped up on the pulpit and he's like, I'm saturating you as the, as the snowflakes saturate the ground I'm saturating my people and um, one of the things that he revelations that he gave me this week is you know how many of y'all know all those icicles right and um, so we're driving we went to the reach to drop off some food and there was these big icicles on these houses and I'm like oh I mean they're a little dangerous you know and they're a little dangerous and then um, I got to open the door the other morning to check to see how how it was outside before Jenna got hit there for Zoe, and I opened the door, and the door just smacks all these huge, you know, icicles, and they're nailing the ground. Um, but so then I started thinking about when they melt, and this scripture came to mind, Psalm 133, and it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. And I just had this beautiful picture of the body of Christ. You know, as we're getting to know everybody and, and you know, the river is flowing at celebration. It's been awesome watching a church really have our hearts knit together and watch all these amazing things begin to transpire around here. Lives being touched. I can't tell you the phone calls we've been having the past few weeks and the ministries getting started. Go check out Facebook page and look at that food pantry pictures. I mean, it's awesome to see just the blessings that God's given as people begin to unite their hearts, unite their visions of what God's given them, and, and to see it begin to happen. And so just think, because y'all have lived here, y'all know what those icicles look like when they start melting. 
you know, or those big snow piles at the end of a parking lot, you know, in the mat, the, the, the poor Home Depot parking lot, they have this mound that, like, it's like two of me tall. And I'm like, that's going to be interesting when it starts to melt. You know, but think about it. It says that um, it's like the precious oil running on the head, running down the beard, running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon. Can you all imagine not just a little mound of snow 20 feet high, but we're talking a mountaintop that has the dew flowing, the blessing of God continuing, continuing to flow. And so I just want to encourage you as, as, as a body, as, as the fellowship of Celebration Church. You know, that word dwelling in unity is, is um, koinonia. It's, it's fellowship. It's linked together in his spirit. His spirit links us together. And as we stay linked together, we're going to see the continued flowing blessing of God on this church. The best days of celebration are not in the past. And I tell you that not because you have some new southern pastors, but because the Lord commands the blessing when his brethren dwell together in unity. And we're, we're seeing a unique um, unity of heart here in this church. And he, it, it, the, the sky's the limit. Those doors are going to keep opening. The favor of God is going to keep opening. You know, today, um, by the way, Pastor sends his greetings. Um, but today he got to visit um, with the director of the Dream Center in St. Louis. And he said, Heather, I got it. I got it clicked. I got it. It makes sense now how it all works together. I said, okay, what are we going to do first? He said, we're already doing it. He said, the food pantry is the first part. Second part is getting with uh, Haven of Rest, which looks like we're about a week or two away max from getting it started. And, and that's just the beginning. And, and so as, as he begins, and I'm not going to tell you about the other visions that are stirring around. <laughs> I'm thankful for our 120 hours of volunteers now. Um, but it's just all, it's his commanded blessing. And it's not about how much we can do. It's about how um, his kingdom is going to impact the lives of this community. You know, that food pantry opened, and we talked earlier about going to go try to flyer the neighborhood, have, have some of the volunteers come an hour before they would normally get here and, and begin to touch the homes and let the people out here know why. Because they're going to come walking when they're in, the, they're in their hour of need and desperation. And this body is going to have life, hope, and healing in their situation. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to go ahead and receive our tithes and offerings tonight. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the beautiful picture, Lord, of your commanded blessing. And I just pray, Lord, as the river rushes, that you would rush over your people and bless each home. Each home, Lord, may, may we get checks in the mail, Father God. May we, get, may we get debts canceled, Lord Jesus. May supernatural doors begin to open that we would see that you are God. That you are the God of the impossible and that there's greater things coming in, in our day. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. And Praise thee, O oh God, 
for the spirit of life who have shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who hath borne all our sins and hath cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the God of all grace, who has brought us and sought us and guided our ways. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. I like that one. Love it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for this time together. Father, I just pray that you would open your word. That you would open your word to us that it's the first time we've heard it. And that it would revive our inner man. That you would revive us according to this word today. That you would open our hearts and open our ears and open our eyes to see the kingdom of heaven in new ways. That it would invade our life and our very being. We thank you, Lord. Amen. So we're going to read today from uh, Matthew 12, starting in verse 9. And I love this. It's the man with the withered hand. Starting in verse 9, it says, Now when he had departed from there, this is Christ, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, hmm, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? that they might accuse him. You know, there are still modern-day Pharisees. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to, them, to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. I absolutely love this. And, and we're going to take a look at it in a new way very quickly. But, you know, when you and I come to church, it was the Sabbath day here, and, you know, the Pharisees were like, uh-uh, 
They ain't doing no good here. We're not supposed to do any works today. And there was a man there that had come to the Sabbath for a reason, right? But he came and he also was broken. And you know, when you and I come to church, we've talked a lot about coming with expectancy, that we don't come and just expect our worship team to do it for us and do a couple tricks up there, right? Sound really good. And then the pastor better preach a good word and it better be something that I haven't known before. And you better get all your references right. And then that's a good church service and I'm going home. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking that, that, that we as believers, that we have something to give. We, we want to bring the fullness of God with each of us and come to give worship and to give honor to him, that we come to give something back to the Lord. And that's totally true. It's, it's, an, it's awesome to see the two parallels because not only do we come to bless his name for all that he's done for us, but we come with an expectancy which is what pastors been talking about the past few weeks, that we come from an expectancy, God, increase my capacity to worship you. What is that doing? That's acknowledging that, God, there's still areas in me that need more of you. That I still, on this side of heaven, will never have arrived, and I need more. And so I want to read this quote real quick. To you. This comes from um, the miracles and parables of Jesus Christ from Charles Spurgeon. And it says, he looks around and his eye fixes, this is Christ, fixes itself upon pain, upon necessity, upon incapacity, upon sinfulness, upon everything to which he can do good. For what he wants in us mortals is the opportunity to do us good and not a pretense on our part that we can do him good. And so the awesome thing is, you know, and Christians are the best at it. We get our hair all done. We make sure our clothes are pressed. And they all put together, right? Ladies, we get our makeup done and we come. We put on the smile. One day, Pastor Paris, you know, I've probably been on staff for seven or eight years at the time. And one day, she, in the middle of service, she looked around to me and she goes, You know, that smile is plastered to your face, right? And I just busted out laughing because it was the worst day. And I was so like, Everything in me was like wanting to scream. And I knew that I had to come and I couldn't come all, you know, because I wear my emotions on my face, right? And so I plastered that smile on. And as soon as she called me on it, I just busted out laughing and said, I'm going down, all right? And I spent the service on the floor under a blanket, just letting him minister to me. And so the, the, the picture that I want to show here is that, you know, this man, this man with the withered hand comes into the service, comes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And out of all the Pharisees, out of all the Sadducees, out of all the spiritual religious people there, he notices the broken. He know, he, when you and I come, he knows that very thing that's bothering us, that very thing that we don't want exposed to the world because it hurts, because it's uncomfortable. Because you know what? We, don't, we can't go there. It's almost like we've hidden it from our past. You know, that man had a withered hand. If that hand's withered up, that means literally the tendons, the nerve endings, it's all shrunken up. It's shrunken up and it's dead. There's no life in it. It's lifeless. It's lifeless. And so that man probably had learned to function without even realizing it was there anymore. Come on. How many Christians... And, and people in life that we just go through and we get hurt and we get beat up and it's just like we can't take it anymore and so all of a sudden walls go up whether we realize it or not 
because that's how we begin to function. You ever had like a crazy day happen where something happened, but you had a great, a big, huge presentation to do at work? And, and you couldn't not do it or get out of it. And so it's like everything breaks loose in your life and you know you should fall apart and you want to fall apart, but you can't even process it because you've got to go do this presentation. You know what I'm talking about? And it's, because, it's, it's unfortunately living like that. And so the awesome thing about it that we can find comfort is is that you and I come into this sanctuary. We come into the house of God and can find comfort that wherever we're at in life, Christ is walking these aisles. He's walking these aisles and he's saying, hey, I know your pain. I know, I know your sorrow. I know who done did you wrong. The Bible talks about he's going to be our vindicator. So who cares who done did you wrong? I say, who cares? Christ is coming around and he's looking for you and I. He's looking for those sores and he's looking for those, those broken bones, those broken hearts, and those broken dreams that he can bring mending. Isn't that exciting? So who is, uh, there's a couple of um, key points. So who was this command addressed to? Someone that was hopelessly incapable of obeying. His hand had lost the moisture of life. You know, Christ comes and he commands and he says, stretch forth thine hand. And he commands someone, the person that has no life in them, to be able to do what he commanded. You ever found yourself in that place where all of a sudden you get a command from the Lord and it's like, wait a second, that's beyond anything I could ever hope, dream, or imagine. What are you talking about? I'm your girl. I'm your guy. And, and But that's just like Christ. He says, stretch forth thine hand to the only person in the house that was completely incapable of doing it. The spirit's gate, which gave it strength, had been dried out of it. And there it was, withered, wilted, a useless thing with which he could do nothing. And yet it was to such a man that Jesus said, stretch forth thine hand. But you know, he said it to someone who was completely willing. Stretch forth thine hand. And what happened? The man stretched forth his hand and he was what? Immediately healed. So many times God's calling you and I. He's saying, hey, come here, my beloved. Get out of the boat. Come here, get out of the boat. And, and it's in that moment that we just have to be open and say, Lord, whatever. Augustine has a great quote, and it says, Lord, command what you will, but give what you command. I'll do anything. You tell me to do anything. You tell me to go hike Mount Kilimanjaro. We've been there. It's pretty cool. And, Lord, I'll do it, but give me the ability. Give me the training. Give me the opening. Give me the money. Give me the opportunity and I'll do it, whatever you command, and I'll do. You know, we had a, when we opened another campus, we would, um, I think this is before we became, Zach and I became the campus pastors. At the years of ministry kind of run together sometimes. And, um, and we were youth and young adult pastors at Airline. And so we would take buses. We would take two 15-passenger buses with us every week to cross the, the lake because our youth just wanted to hang out with us and young adults. 
so we took this huge group one, one Saturday night, and there's this one girl who um, every service you'd hear her, no matter what campus we were at, in, in the worship time, and she'd say, Lord, I love you, Lord. I'll do anything for you. I just, I just want to serve you. And it was pretty obnoxious, you know, as obnoxious goes. And, and everybody around could hear her. And um, Pastor Paris had heard her before. And that night, none of the children's workers showed up. And it was a new church plant. And how many of you know you have to have children's workers? This would be like right in the middle of Fairlawn, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and have no workers for the children. And a huge family area. And so Pastor Paris comes up, and this is, you know, probably as big as this section here. And it was packed with young people. Perfect, right? And she says, hey, got a great ministry opportunity. And the girl who was doing the, I'll do anything, Lord, is like right here in front of her. And she says, hey, got a great ministry opportunity. Who wants to come work in children's ministry? And the girl looked down, got her phone out, started meddling with stuff, and that was it. Nobody volunteered. So Pastor Paris comes and finds me, and she's like, I thought your people wanted to do ministry. I thought your people wanted to serve. What is wrong with them? And so I'm like, well, what happened? Long story short, some people served that night. It was like, <laughs> but how often do all of us do that? Lord, I want to see you move in our community. Lord, we'll do something in our youth. Lord, do something in, in the marriages here. But when the door opportunity opens for you to lead the group, or you to lead the prayer, or you to, to, to say, hey, why don't you come and, and, and come over with our family this week and, and have dinner with us, that you say, I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. That, that, oh, Mike can do that. Let him do it. Because I ain't, I ain't touching it. And so we have, to start, we have to start being available that, God, God, I'll do anything. You know, God, years ago, forever met Zach, I knew I'd seen your pastor. Knew it. Loved it. Thought it would be New Orleans. And he said, guess what? You're going a thousand miles away where you don't know anybody, and the food's <laughs> You're going to be on top of your game in the high heavens of life. And I'm going to just uproot you and say, see you later. And it was like, all right, God, whatever. Got a phone call yesterday from one of my mentors. So, you under the bus yet? You're done? How bad is it? I said, I'm living the dream. Why? Because we're open immediately. When the Lord says go, we go. When the Lord says love, we love. That's like that lady, remember the story months ago that was yelling at me, and the Lord said, what, pour your oil. Yes, sir. Oh, hey, I know you just cursed me an hour ago, but I love you. It wasn't Jessica. <laughs> but y'all follow me? Like, and I'm trying to make it very practical for everyday lives, but, but he finds our, our, our broken places. Remember, you be the leader of somebody. And he calls you out. He calls you to do the thing that, that you're uncomfortable doing. He calls you to come sing. He calls you to be a greeter. He calls you to get on the telephone and start making calls and inviting people for stuff. And all he wants is a willing vessel, someone to say, God, I'll do anything. You know, Elijah, poor thing, comes all the way here from Louisiana to come intern with us. And day one, he gets the keys and is shown the janitorial closet because he's going to be cleaning toilets. But what happened? He said, yes, sir. Because he sees the bigger picture of the kingdom of God. And so we want to find ourselves doing that every day of our lives. Isn't that awesome? <clears throat> and then I want to look, and I'm skipping a lot of quotes for the sake of time. So if you want, this is an awesome 
message with some great quotes. If you want it, just give me your email tonight. But we want to look at the person who gave the command. Because so often we look at the mountain, we look at the impossibility, we look at the, the job, the opportunity, but we need to look at the person who's asking us to get out of the boat. Why could I cross the, you know, the country a thousand miles away with joy and anticipation, looking at the snow and the icicles and the ice and saying, yeah, because I know the one who commanded it. I've spent time with him. I know the goodness that follows him. And I know the goodness that will follow me all the days of my life. When Christ commissions us, that makes all the difference. He'll never send you or I to do a fool's errand. Come on. He'll never send us to do a fool's errand. You might think that's the most insignificant person. You might think that that's a throwaway or a nobody, but God's got a purpose. Week after week, year after year, I'd go to the jail, and I'd, they always would give me the most ugliest pause to go to. And I would go, and every week I would expect, you're going to be there. You're going to meet me right there. And how many of those women went through our rehab? That would show, I would think, there ain't nobody listening to me. And then I'd get a call from our rehab director, hey, we got another one. Really? What's her name? I don't remember her. Oh, my goodness. Okay, can you show me her when she gets to service tonight so I remember? Week after week, we find new people coming in. I got a phone call just a month ago. Actually, it was a picture come through text message of this woman that I ministered to two years ago that got born again in one of my services, baptized in the Holy Ghost, never knew it, got out of jail, went to a rehab program for six months, left there, went to a ministry training program, Spent 18 months there, graduated, and had just gotten on staff there. And this one particular disciple of mine happened to run into her. They became friends. She sat down and had dinner together. And she said, tell me your testimony. The girl opened her mouth and said, well, they had this crazy preacher lady come to the jail one day. And when she said that, my friend said, is it Pastor Heather? How'd you know? How'd you know? People could think that's a fool's errand. You're going to the lowest of the low and the worst of the worst. But I tell you, when he gives you an assignment, it's not a fool's errand. It's not a fool's errand. There is fruit to be had. There is souls to be affected for the kingdom of God. He always commands what he completes. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of salvation. You know, so many of us have all these dreams and words and things that God's given us about our life, and we don't understand how they go together. You know what I'm talking about? Seek him first, and all these things will come, I tell you. He began the work in you. He puts the desires. He puts the visions and the dreams and the giftings within us. And they may not make sense today, but you keep pursuing him. You keep being obedient and watch as the years pass by that all those visions and dreams eventually merge into one. And you'll see the glory of God come in your life. Let's read that quote there, um, Tony. It says, if my master puts it, puts it so... I am quite satisfied to quote his words. I cannot explain it, but I take delight to take him in his own way and blindly follow his every step and believe his every word. 
He bids me say, arise from the dead, and I will gladly do it now. In the name of Jesus, ye dead ones, live. Break ye hard hearts, dissolve ye hearts of steel. Believe ye unbelievers, lay hold of Christ, ye ungodly ones. His way is generally this. Oh, I love this. He First he gives a command, then to the heart he helps turn it into a prayer, and then that then to answer the prayer by a promise. And how does that work? Bless you. How does that work? We're going to read a scripture. I'm going to skip through a couple. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are leavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So where is that coming from? So he puts this desire in you. He says, purge out the old leaven. What does that mean? Purge out the junk in your life. Purge out that which is unholy. Purge out that which is not me. Purge out that which is your natural-minded man. Purge out your carnal, everyday, self-minding, self-ideas, thoughts, all those things. Purge it out. And you're like, what? How do I even do that? How do I get the gross out of me? How, how is it impossible? And then you find in Scripture, in Psalms 51.7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. So what does he do? He, he, we're talking about Christ. Give, command what you will, and give what you command. He that starts the work in us is faithful to complete it. So he says, hey, I want you to get rid of the old leaven. I want you to get rid of the junk. And what do we do? Hopefully we're willing, and we say, all right, God, what does that mean? As it happens, as we seek him, he begins to put a prayer in our heart. He begins to give us scripture for that thing. All right, God, purge me with hyssop, and I'll be whiter than snow. God, I can't do it. I can't sanctify my mind. I can't learn to love my boss. I can't not want to beat my neighbor over the head with a shovel. You know, you get what I'm saying? I'm trying, you know. I don't know my neighbors well enough for that, so it's not like a thing, okay? But, oh, God, if you purge me with hyssop, I'll be clean. If you come and wash me, I'll be whiter than snow, and I welcome you to it. And we begin to find our prayers aligning with the things that he gives us. You know, so many times in ministry, I find myself, he's, he's given me visions bigger than I could ever imagine. I'm married to Zach. How do you not think that I have visions that are bigger than I could imagine? But I don't find myself, you know, crawling in a hole underneath the pew. I find myself, all right, God, make me that woman of God. Make me that woman. Expand my capacity. Expand my capacity to hold your glory. Expand my capacity to, to, to be able to do your work. Expand my capacity in the business realm with that office. Expand my capacity with people. Expand my ability to love the unlovely. Expand my ability, Father God, that we can stretch our arms wide enough to wrap around this region that we might know you. God, if you give it, if you command it, you'll give it. And then after that, he gives us the promise. Isaiah 125 says, I'll turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross, and I'll take all thine away. So you see, he gives the command. We, he, he gives us the prayer. Come on. And then he gives us the promise. And so as you and I are learning to get our eyes off the circumstance and our eyes onto the one that's commanded it. 
you know, Grace. Hey, Grace, you're not going to just lead on keys. You're going to, like, start teaching people how to enter in worship. Okay, now that's happening, you're going to just take authority over that thing and watch her go. Okay, here we go, God. What do I do? You pray in tongues. Okay, how often? You pray in tongues every day, all day long. You understand it? Here's a CD. Go for it. Okay. And begin to open yourself up. It's, she can't do it. She could not met, transform herself from who she was in June to who she is today. But guess what? He does. He transforms us. And then let's look at the command itself. The command was the very thing that the man was unable to do. The command went to the very root of the problem. Now, years and years and years ago, the Lord, when I was like totally okay with being single, the Lord uh, had me start a small group. And my pastor comes to me and says, I really need you to start a group. And it's an area that we're lacking. And uh, I'm like, okay, no problem. Who do you want me to teach? I got this. I want you to do a singles group. It was like, because deep down, I still hadn't dealt with all my issues from being single, from the last breakup, and that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't worthy enough, that I was single because nobody wanted me. So I thought I was all okay with it, but I really wasn't. And so oftentimes, that command comes, and it's the very thing that scares us to death. It's the very thing that you and I do not have the ability to do. It's the very thing that is the root of all the other problems going on in that immediate circumstance in life. Because you see, if I couldn't deal with that fact, that means I wouldn't let people in. If I wouldn't let people in, then how does iron sharpen iron and one man sharpen another? If I can't love love people, the Bible says what? They'll know us by what? By our love. The Bible talks specifically about our love for the brethren. And so if I am not willing to sit there with a group of single girls that I'm like five and ten years older than, come on, and talk about it being okay, what was my problem? I had hurt. I had unworthiness. And I I remember the first night of the group on the floor in front of my door begging the Lord in tears not to have anybody show up. Because who was I to lead them? And I wasn't good enough. But the awesome thing is that they had over 30 girls show up that first night. Everywhere from 17, Jen and her friend were the youngest, up until probably 30. And that group grew and grew and grew. And then we had guys that would do evangelism that night. They start showing up at 10 o'clock in my house because they knew we had ice cream and banana splits and tacos and all these different foods. And I was like, who are you? There's a single woman's group. And the Lord said, Heather, Heather, if you don't, if you don't show them how to have relationships that are of me with the opposite sex, how are they ever going to know? Like, oh, man. So after that, every week, 1030 would come, right? Here they come. What kind of food you got? My apartment would be full of people. This is, I'm, not, I'm not on staff yet. I'm in the world running businesses. It'd be 3 o'clock in the morning, they'd still all be there talking about the things of God, going through scriptures, praying for each other, all the different things of life. And as long as I had one good, strong leader there, I'd say, okay, y'all, I'm going to bed now. i got to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. Peace out. 
but why am I saying all this? Because it was the very thing that made me so uncomfortable. It was the very thing that I, in, in the natural I couldn't do because it was the very thing I wanted to run from. Did I marry any of those people? Nope. Did I marry anybody in that season? Nope. But did it make me whole? Absolutely. So what is that thing that God has been speaking to you about to do? Speaking to you about to step out? And sometimes it's as simple as a person in church that he's been telling you, go and be their friend. My very first friend as a Christian, I had to pray for a friend for a year. Probably because I used to be a drug dealer. Probably because I went to a Baptist church with no women in ministry and they only had stuff for men. I don't know. I think I'm pretty nice and approachable. But I prayed for it for a year. She walks up to me and says, Heather, with her little Virginia accent, I'd like to do lunch with you this week. Do you want to go do lunch? I thought, who does lunch? <laughs> oh. But that was the beginning of something new and something fresh. Another piece of the puzzle to restore me. So it can be as simple as that. I went to lunch with her. She's still my best friend to this day. Still my best friend, 14 years later. Who's, what is that thing that God's commanding you that's impossible for you to do? It might be liking me or my husband. It might be not talking bad about the church anymore. It might be that person that always talks and grumbles and gossips and is on a soapbox Pharisee-like saying, hey, you know what, buddy? I'm going to be right here where there's nobody. <laughs> I've been thinking over what you've been saying and you know, I'm, re I'm really bothered by it. I I'm really, really bothered by it. And, and it offends me. I feel like you're talking about me because it's my church. You know, what is it that God's commanding? Maybe you're the quietest mouse person or ever and could never have told someone, you're making me uncomfortable. All, God speaks all sorts of things to us and commands all sorts. He doesn't start out saying, I want you to move a thousand miles away. He starts out and says, will you stand up? Will you stand up to get out of the boat? And it's the very thing that you're crippled and can't do without him. I love this. The man was obedient. The man had probably tried to stretch his hand out before, and he wasn't able to do it on his own. Oftentimes, as, even as, as Christians, you know, we say, but Lord, I've called them. Lord, you told that woman that Lord said, pour my oil? She might have cursed me out again in the past six months, but oh, she can be real snotty to me. So every time I see her, I have to choose, God, I will love her. And she says some weird things some days. Remember, I wear my emotions on my, shirt, on my, on my face. And I have to say, Lord, help me to love her with my eyes. Because inside, my stomach's turning. And I'm thinking, man, who done you wrong? Who done you wrong? But I have to say, Lord, Lord, help me to love her with my eyes, Lord. Change my heart. Let me see her as you see her from heaven because you're not done with her yet. Just like he's not done with me and you, he's not done with that person that God's placed in your life. The result of the obedience. So he... He, he might have told us to do something before, and now he's told us, or we've done something that, that on our own, right? We've done it in our own flesh. We've tried it time and time again. And now the Lord's telling us to do that very thing that we've tried before and couldn't do. 
And so we say, okay, Lord, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to get out of the boat. And I'm going to do it. What happens when he says that, that um, he fully restored the hand to what the other was? That literally means to restore to its original position or condition. Now I'm going to speak to this because all of us have had been disappointed in life by people, right? Everyone has been disappointed by people, whether it was a romantic relationship or family or just people at work or whatever. Some maybe deaths could be it, but we have been hurt by people. Think back to before they did you wrong of how innocent, right? How innocent and childlike we were and how as children we could just love anybody. You watch those kids in the nursery in the toddler room. And they just love each other. They have no idea the world is a big, snotty, bad place. Because we have so much love that we pour out on them. The awesome thing is as you and I step forth in obedience to the command of God and do those things that God's called us to do that we can't do without him, that are the root cause of our issues, he restores you and I to our original condition. You know, being in the life that I lived before, There's no reason that I should ever let a man love me, period. Trust a man, let him get close to me, uh-uh. But oh my, how God has restored me to my original condition. And every time I find myself face to face with that old girl and those old emotions, all right, Lord, all right, Lord, you've called me to this and you've commanded me, so I want to run for the hills, but won't you come? Won't you come and wash me? Cleanse me and make me whole. And he restores you and I back to that original condition. It also means returning back to the ultimate ideal. Returning back to enjoy again. To enjoy what was taken away by a destructive or life-dominating power. You know, you're, you may have no self-esteem because people were just mean, right? You grew up, people were mean to you. You were the one they picked on. You were the one that your bosses or your coworkers or you didn't make the team or whatever. Heal. That, that stuff, those are lies. We talked about that. Those are lies that begin to take hold of us. And we begin to live our lives according to those lies. Well, as you and I step out and we take hold of Christ and we say, I'm going to run with you. And we begin to act in obedience. He comes and he breaks that power over our life. He breaks those lies. He breaks that destructive lifestyle and restores us to what we were prior to that taking hold of us. Is that not awesome? You know, and that's why we say, go and find someone hurting worse than you are. Because as the Bible says that those who water will what? Themselves be watered. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What do we have to be afraid when we find ourselves in Christ? He's the one that commands us and calls us to love. He's the one that commands and calls us to do things that we couldn't have otherwise done. And he gives us the supernatural dunamis power to accomplish those things. And in it, we often become more blessed than the person on the other end. You ever been on a mission trip or done an outreach? You know, the Easter egg hunt last year, because it's all on our plate now, you know, and, and how those kids had a blast, but you were probably the most blessed out of everybody because you got your hands in all of it. That's how it works. He fully restores us. He gives back to us more than we ever could give away. 
His healing was perfect, and his healing was permanent. Hebrews 7.25, let me go read that real quick, and we're going to wrap up. I went longer than I was supposed to. Y'all okay? I love this scripture. Hebrews 7.25. It says, therefore, he is also able to save us to the what? To the uttermost. Those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. That word uttermost is completely. He is able to save you and I completely. So what? why? Because he forever lives to make intercession for us. Because he is our great high priest. Because he is always sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. His kingdom never ends. His ministry of the Holy Ghost never ends. And so he is 24-7 for all of eternity working on your and my behalf. And he's already defeated it because the cross is behind and he's able to save us to the uttermost. He's able to do that in your life, which is the absolute impossible. He's able to go and, and wash me with hyssop. He's able to cleanse me and make me whiter than snow. How is it that I could be a stupid, ugly, drug-dealing, sailor-cursing, nasty old woman, get born again into the kingdom of God and have hundreds of girls look up to me and pastor hundreds and hundreds of people and go all over the world and have a princess fairy tale story? How is it possible? It's not possible. But he saves us to the uttermost. He saves us to the uttermost that I walk around and people that used to know me go, how, how did this happen in you? And the people that didn't know me then say, I don't know who you're talking about. Because I've never, ever seen that ugly, nasty, drug-dealing person in you. Oh, because he saves us to the uttermost. He saves us to the uttermost. So who says that you are the old gossip? Who says that you are the old mean person? Who cares? He is enough for you and I. And he is looking upon our pain tonight. And he's saying, stretch forth that withered hand, daughter and son of mine. Stretch it forth. And I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to meet you right where you are because I'm enough for you. I am enough for you. Isn't he an awesome, awesome God? So I hope that you and I find ourselves this week whoo, getting out of the boat. Getting out of ourselves and having a supernatural expectancy that I don't have to live this way anymore. I don't have to live this way anymore. I don't have to live in this box. I don't have to live with shackles on. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in bondage. Because you're enough for me. You save me to the uttermost. You're enough for my emotions. You're enough for my mind. You're enough for my body. You're enough for my finances. You're enough for my family. Lord, I get up and I stretch forth my hand. And where you say go, I'll go. Amen. So why don't you get up and worship with me tonight. Father, I thank you <laughs> that we can saturate in you. Oh, that we can saturate in you, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would come and we would sense, um, sense your freedom in this house tonight. Your word says, who the sun sets free, God is free indeed. And I just pray tonight, Lord, we're not going to be in a hurry. We're going to believe you're going to protect each one of us to get home safely, Lord. 
But I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come search us, that you would come search our innermost being, and that you would begin to put your finger on those places in us that you're calling us forth, that you're calling us out of that tomb, and you're saying, come forth. Come forth, my son. Come forth, my daughter. God, and set us free in your presence tonight. As we begin to worship, the altars are open, and I just say, come, come and lay before him. Come and stand before him. Come and let the master minister life to you tonight. Come and let him bring you out of whatever it is and bring you into fullness of life in him. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.